You're listening to Conversations Over Coffee, where we connect with other people through conversations because we all have stories to tell and we're all capable of inspiring others with those stories. Here's a brand new episode. I hope you enjoy. Okay, let, let us summarize what I do. I, I'm a mother. I used to be a wife. I gave that, I gave that job up. <laughs> I gave that job up. Um, I'm a mother, I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, I'm a colleague, I'm in charity, I'm a volunteer, author. I'm an author, I'm a speaker, ah, I'm a TV host. Many ways of looking at it, I'm very versatile, mm-hmm. or I'm so easily bloody bored, I cannot sit still. <laughs> uh, many, many different angles at looking at that because most people stick to one thing and they do it really well I don't know if I I I obviously don't stick to one thing and I cannot tell you whether I'm doing well until the day I die and someone writes my obituary that would be a good testimonial to how I've been so until then it's still work in progress I would like to credit myself for having quite a bit of transformation in terms of who I was and who I am today. I still have room for improvement. I'm looking forward to that. I spend most of my time um, at Kachara uh, Buddhist uh, organization. Yeah, you know, people are like, oh, so you pray every day. <laughs> I wish, I wish. I, I'm sure my guru would like me to pray every day. Um, no, I contribute my time in more behind the scenes of Kachara in terms of the administration and operational side. But the whole motivation is, is spiritual in a sense that it is to make sure the Kachara organization is operational operating well mm-hmm. you know so so that people can enjoy the their spiritual home which is what kachara is all about so this is what i do i spend a lot of time in kachara and because i take care literally of a temple so i've become to call myself a temple keeper i think it's pretty sexy <laughs> <coughs> you know what do you do oh i i upkeep a temple so i'm a temple keeper yeah so you tell people that yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, people look at me like, huh? I say, yeah, right? They probably expect a nun, right? I'm so far from that. But anyways, yes, I upkeep a temple. And I'm actually quite proud to say that. But you used to be a TV host. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that part of you, you've forgotten for a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, my last, my last season was two, three years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did that for four years. So I, Do you I miss ho- it? Do I miss hosting a paranormal program? Well, not just the paranormal. I think part. so. I I think I I I, I miss it because it's it was nice to. I'm gonna be honest. It was very nice to be in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. To me, that was one of my little success milestones because I've always wanted to be in front of the camera, but then life took its own course and I didn't have time to develop that. So eventually, I decided. No, with the inspiration by my guru, His Eminence Sam Rinpoche, I stood in front of the camera for four years, I would like to say successfully. La. So I do miss that. I, I miss that scheduling. Yeah. I, I miss the team. I miss the content. I miss the excitement of filming. I miss the excitement of the stories, exploring, because paranormal is an interesting, very, very interesting genre. Most people fear it, but they like it. They're so it's so weird. It's a very much love-hate relationship. And I actually think people were probably watching me thinking when I was going to get possessed <laughs> or when I was going to fall on my face into a cemetery hole. Did they ask hole. you that when they meet you? Like, if they ever meet like I'm sure you know, one some... of the what when when I when I meet people who see my show top five questions okay top three questions weren't you scared in my what? head like my head is like duh if I'm scared how to do for four years, but the truth is 
I had spiritual protection and I had my guru, uh, Sam Rinpoche, who taught me the basic principles of mutual respect, even mm-hmm. though you can't see them. And to understand this whole universal energy thing and that it is supernatural, it is phenomenal, it is paranormal. But if you remove all those labels, it is what it is. And that's why my tagline, what you see may not be real and what is real you may not see because it is what it is. I think that four years of filming the paranormal and working with things I can and cannot see gave me additional deeper insight to understanding how things are and how things are shaped, whether you like it or not, whether you can see it or not, whether it is a different level of being, a different realm. I think acceptance, which is flowing with what I'm saying right now, acceptance is one of these things that happen with time maturity, exposure. And I think it is one of the qualities that should be used to measure success when you have acceptance. You are successful when you accept failure as part of your success. Oh, yeah, that's... You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And the thing is, most people fight failure because it's, it's negative. But I think acceptance of failure is very key to success. You know, so I think, I think that's very important. And that was one of the few things that I walked away with when I ended my show at season four. Yeah. You decided that? You made that decision that you're going to end it at season four? Yeah, because it's very tiring. Mm-hmm. It is, it, it's, it, it's exciting, it's interesting, but it, has, it, it takes its toll. And the subject matter in itself being paranormal, and I didn't exactly fabricate, I don't allow fabrication of content. I don't allow to make sounds that were not there. Mm-hmm. I, I don't allow the editing to put in a shadow or a figure which was never picked up or I didn't experience it. I don't do that. So my radars are constantly up when you're filming. And it, it takes a toll because it is tiring. Yep. Because not only do I need to pick up, I also need to protect. Let's say I pick up the energies right. or I pick up the beings or I say, okay, I kind of send something there. I also need to protect. I can't just send an open open house welcome party. Then what if you know what what if they you know follow me home or follow my staff back mm-hmm. or my crew? Because not everyone is at the same energy level. Some people could have a lower energy level, and 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 spirits or, or what we want to call them ghosts or whatever hantu or whatever they attach themselves to low energy level people okay. because that's how they they can dominate, right? I mean they're not. A spirit is not going to attach themselves to a positive, happy, and light-hearted person because it's too much sunshine, too much sunlight. That oh, and they go for the darker, darker side of things. So yeah, so um, it, it it kind of was a bit tiring, and I think four years I traveled around Southeast Asia, um, kind of similar topics, but because I traveled to different parts like Taiwan and Singapore, Malaysia, of course, um, Thailand, I experienced different parts of Southeast Asia, but the same topic of paranormal, supernatural, but the twist being different applications of it, understanding of it based on different cultural backgrounds. So I think I kind of covered what I wanted to cover. And funding is not easy. Um, For season four, it was great because I had NBC Universal as my co-producers and at the the support of Finas. But after that, it's it's difficult. And then people were cutting budgets and blah, blah, blah. So financially, it was probably one of the reasons I decided to shelve it for a while. It could come back one day. It could come back one day. It could come back one day. And uh, as I get older, maybe I'll just shoot myself as the hantu, you know. (laughs) Makeup, no makeup. uh, That's paranormal. 
But I like what you mentioned just now, uh, your teacher's teaching, mm. was that mutual respect. I, it's not just apparent in the way you hosted the show, uh, to mutual respect to those mm. beings mm. that you can't see, mm. but also you bring it into your parenting as well. Like mm. You negotiate with your kids. So there's this constant respect between the both yeah. of you. You have to go with it, but you also have to find opportunities or pockets of time that your kids will give you. It's called pockets of time. You know, nowadays it's not like family time, quality time. <laughs> it's called pockets of time. Do you schedule like that? I do, I do. I, I, I try to because <clears throat> I have a busy schedule yeah. and my kids have a busy schedule too. Like I said, it's all proportionate, mm-hmm. isn't it? And so I do try to fix times when I insist that they have to make that time. So even that time, if girlfriends also turn up, they join my time with my boys, mm. you know. Of course, girlfriends is a completely different subject matter, which falls under parenting and negotiating as well, and a lot more terms and conditions, but that's a whole separate subject. Yeah. But they're allowed to have girlfriends. Why I mean, not? I mean, to say, like, a lot of traditional parents don't, like, hey, you don't, you can't have a partner until, oh, yeah, that's the until, keyword, what, traditional what, 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 what. parent. That is so yeah. what I am not. You're a progressive parent. I think I'm words. a lunatic parent. Because <laughs> I think if you're not crazy, don't have kids. But you have three, so you're like... Yeah, I have three. Super crazy. I have three boys, so I have no... I'm a crazy person without the comfort of a daughter. So that mm. makes me double crazy. But two of them are at home, but one is like not, yeah. not within your... My, not within my reach, no. <laughs> we have WhatsApp and audio messaging. Ever said you can't harass your children? What do you think they're for? Okay, do you Mark. follow them on Instagram? Huh? No, they don't allow you. They, they do. They, they, they actually do. They actually do. Cause I I told them before. If you block me on mm. social media, I know where you live. <laughs> children always accuse parents for favoritism. Or you prefer Coco <laughs> before me. You prefer my younger brother, or you prefer the middle child and stuff like that. You know. How I overcame that accusation was Regardless who started it The next person started the next round So all of them started it So they always get punished together Regardless of their argument of who started it first Because the second person continued Is the first person who started the next round I said it so fast Those words that they were baffled And just accepted they were all guilty So I took care of favoritism conversations By saying that they were all punished together at the same time, they were also rewarded together. So that's how I manage equality at home. Mm-hmm. I think the most important thing about being a parent is to always ensure your kids are assured that you'll be there for them, no matter what. Right or wrong, you're there for them so that they will come to you when right. they so mess they- up, so to speak. Mm-hmm so that they will come to you and you can do what's best for them. It's interesting because I read somewhere that, you know, being a parent, it's about building a bridge so that they can can go far, but when they want to come back, you... Yeah, I see it as that. They need to know they can come back. Mm -hmm. And they also need to know they can stretch it, yet understand their limits. I guess, yeah, accommodating. I think that's what I would say is something I have learned to become. It's a very useful sense, uh, characteristic or virtue to be because it gives me a lot of opportunity and space for growth, still my own personal growth, and for people around me to also grow. Because when you're too rigid, it's very stifling, you know? So the space becomes suffocating and people can't grow around you. And I think when people stop growing around you, it means you have stopped growing. It means I have stopped growing. 
So, is there anything else that you want to achieve in life? Because you've achieved a lot. I mean, I, from I uh, from my point of view, I don't like. When when I hear young people like yourself saying, you know what, in my eyes you're successful, and you know, um, I like what you do, I like who you are. It's affirmation. I mean, you say you you were a TV host. Mm. You were what? You wrote a book, Common <laughs> Chaos, yes, which Calm, yes, probably yes. you've forgotten. <laughs> yeah, no, no, recently I, I saw it again. It was on my shelf, my own shelf, and I'm like, oh my god! Yes, yeah, give a TEDx talk. Ah, parent to a uh, parents three, three kids, three three mm-hmm. three kids. Um, working still. I'm working for charity. Mm-hmm. I mean, probably in the next six months or next six to twelve months, it would be to develop a better. A membership program with my colleagues in Kachara and I think to focus my energy on nurturing our members in terms of sharing the Dharma, sharing Rinpoche's teachings because I believe that one of the key ingredients on my transformation and how I have come to like myself and enjoy my own company, a lot of it comes from the love and the support and the teachings of my guru Sam Rinpoche and of course the support and strength from my mother and my father. So these are my pillars. A lot of who I've become and liking who I've become had a lot to do with uh, Sam Rinpoche's teachings and spending time in Kachara. So I found my spiritual home and I found my spiritual teacher and now I'm enjoying my spiritual journey. One of my biggest hurdles was accepting my, my flaws and taking my guilty conscience of my mistakes through deep until I felt so bad. And, Can you give an example? Um, I'll, I'll try to generalize it. Here's the trick to relationship management. When you hurt someone, instead of getting defensive and justifying why you hurt someone, I suggest you actually feel bad and regret hurting someone. That means forget the justifications, forget explaining why you hurt someone and just go straight to, I feel bad for hurting that person. In any shit situation, it's very easy to blame and we all have a right to blame, but let's keep it short. Okay, tell your victim story max like 10 minutes. Get over your victim story. Time to move on. Don't just read about happiness. Happiness is a daily choice and it takes a lot of effort. Happiness is an experience one will feel and enjoy, but it takes effort. One of the conflicts women have, and this was an interview I did on Her World magazine a long time ago. As a career mother, one of the things that you deal with a lot is guilt. When you're at work, you feel guilty that you're not spending enough time with your kids. This guilt will eat you up and it will affect your work and it will affect your quality time with your kid because you'll end up being consumed by guilt. And then you will do stupid things like buy expensive gifts for your kids to make up for it. So how do you live with guilt? First of all, what drives the guilt is this so-called illusion of balancing time. Women who work and are mothers are expected to have this magic formula of balancing time. There's no such thing. At every moment in time, you will make a choice to do something. You will make a choice to make a certain decision between your kids and your work. I give you an example. You have a project. Your project will get you a $2 million contract. You have a kid. Your kid is running a fever. You're running a fever of 37.3 and your kid is about 18 months old. Your meeting is in its last 45 minutes to seal the deal. 
at that split second you need to decide go home to a 37.3 fever or finish that 45 minute and close the deal my choice is finish the deal why you have a nanny at home and most organized mothers would have paracetamol at home as well prescribed to you by your pediatrician and your nanny should be able to give some already to your kid who's at 37.3 degrees Finish the deal, go home. At that moment in time, my choice was the deal. Does that make me a bad mother? No, it just makes me... It's called risk management. Because the risk of not closing that deal was much higher if I didn't finish, but the risk of my kid is lower because it's 37.3 and I have paracetamol and my nanny knows what to do. 2.5 mil, paracetamol will bring the fever down because previous experience tells me that, right? So it was risk management. Different risk, different conditions, I chose the kid. So what am I saying here is, at any one point, as a woman who's working and with children at home, you will make choices. And sometimes they, are, they may not be the wisest choices based on other people's opinion. But it is the best choice you as a woman can make, trusting your instinct as a mother and trusting your professionalism as a career woman. So please, women out there, if you're working and you've got kids at home, remove guilt from your emotions. Replace it with trusting your instincts. That's how I have been looking at it and it, it works. Involves a lot of flexibility as well. Yeah. Because in my head, it's more of a rigid schedule, but to you, it's more how... What happens at that point of time? Yeah. Just take it and go yeah. and don't like... Yeah, take it, run, don't regret. If something goes wrong, fix it. Don't blame. Don't don't sit there and ponder how it happened. It happened lah. Take responsibility, fix it. And then do some review sometime down the road, you know. Do a self-performance appraisal lah. Even companies only do it once a yeah. year. Why are you going to do yours every day? Hey. <laughs> Do a self-appraisal annually. You know, my evaluation of self as a mother. Interview your kids. Yeah, do a self-appraisal mm. once a year. Don't do it every day. Don't bash yourself up. What do you think success means to you? Like, what do, how do you define that? For me, success is when I wake up, I look forward to what the day holds without a real plan, what mm. it's going to hold. And to go to bed, whatever time that is, not feeling I haven't done enough. There are nights when I say, ah, man, I should have done more. I should have, this particular situation, I should have done more. But I fix that thought before I fall asleep by saying, I will do more. So I have a positive affirmation or else the whole night I can't sleep because I'm thinking, I should have, I should have. Which is something that, no point where it's over. The day is over, I should have, I will, I will tomorrow. Yeah. Just to wrap it up, thank you for spending time with me. Our meetings always is me talking, talking, talking. Then, <laughs> oh yeah, what was the agenda? <laughs> so great to have you here today. And you ran out of coffee, I realised. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's good. <laughs> so glad you enjoyed. I hope you enjoyed I did, I, I did. I always enjoy talking. <laughs> but I hope that this conversation has it's covered a lot of angles, I think. Sometimes I will forget, forget what I'm talking about. But I hope that this conversation, you know, when people hear this conversation, they walk away with whatever they walk away with. And take action. You know? And take action, yeah. Not just realise and do Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Don't just do research. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Execute the research. Implement the plan, you know. Execute it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. My pleasure. Always. Thank you for tuning in. If you liked it, please like the podcast, save it, or share it with other people. If you have any feedback, reach out to us via Instagram. You can find us at convo.coffee. That's C-O-N-V-O dot T-O-F-F-E-E. I can't wait to hear from you and connect with you. That's it for me. Till next time.
Tchau.